It's not recording yet, right? It is recording. Oh. Good dead air to begin the whole thing? Yeah. No, I cut this part out. Okay, good. Welcome to episode 142 of Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not much, Andrew. What's going on with you? Not too much. I see the Oregon Trail Rally is starting this weekend. I won't make any dysentery jokes because I feel like I did that last year. Probably. Still haven't been out there. Still on the list. Yeah, we'll have to do it next year. Scenery looks crazy out there. Like, it looks... For sure. Like the uh, Windows, like, 95 well, screen. Oregon. I don't want to get yelled at. Oregon. 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 Oregon, not Oregon. 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 See, I forget because I said it wrong all the time, and then somebody corrected me, and now I don't remember what the correct way is. It's Oregon. Oregon. So, but it sounds Oregon is a very green state. So Oregon. Oregon Trail. I'm sure it is very pretty there. <laughs> yeah, that looks pretty cool. Um, I saw a quick little update from Crankshaft Culture, one of our guests. Oh, they're out there? Yeah, Mercedes is, uh, she was going for a ride-along with Travis Pastrana. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, during the uh, press days. That's pretty cool. Mm, that's very cool. So, we've got some big project car updates. I think that's pretty much what we're going to talk about. Probably a good start. What did we do to the White Starian? Mm, where did we leave off last time? I believe we talked about hanging a door on it. Okay, so that was done last time. Transferring all the wiring over. Quick recap. So made the new door work with the old wiring harness? Yeah, because the new door was from a later car. Yeah, it's from like an 87 or an 88, I think. So they're the same doors for both flat and wide, mm-hmm. but the electronics inside are different. Correct. The basic car is the same for a flat car and a wide car. Obviously, the fenders bolt on, and the quarter panels are changed, obviously, for you know the wide cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the door is exactly the same. So yeah, it bolted right on. The harness was very different because the car... It was a lot different. Yeah, the newer car had power locks um, and some other stuff going on with it. The harness was more of a modern harness Yeah. versus the 84, which seemed like a holdover harness from like the 70s. The 70s style harness, yeah. So we switched it over super easy. All of the original holes are there in that door. Yeah, they Plus, just added new holes yeah. to the new stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. They didn't really was, change the stamp. It, it was convenient because we didn't have to change anything. We just bolted everything up the way it was supposed to go. And so it, that's good. It hung nice and straight. Yep. So that was done. Then we preliminary kind of hung one fender. We hung both fenders, but they weren't really like yeah. lined up great. They just kind of stuck on there. Um, the big thing was you were working on the corner of the car where it was hit. So if you rewind the story back to February of yeah 2012. I don't think we've talked about this car, really. So why don't we start from how it got to the point where it was sitting in your yard? Okay, so back in 2009. Right. November of 2009. Right. Right after I bought my house. Like two yep. months after I bought my house. This car popped up, um, which is not a weird you know, situation in my life that a car pops up for $800. I was looking up $800 Mitsubishis on Craigslist. Yes. This is your fault. Yes. Good. Um, but this car popped up. It was eight hundred bucks. I think it was, was eight hundred or a thousand. It was eight hundred. Was it listed at eight hundred? Yep. It was the magic number. So it was an eight hundred dollar nineteen eighty four Mitsubishi Starion ES, um, and it was listed by the original owner. Yeah, it was like two towns over from where we are. It was in Peabody, Linfield. Was it in Linfield? Yeah, I thought it was off Linfield Street in Peabody. No. No. Okay. Well, it was close. It had been in the area its whole life. It actually bought at the Mitsubishi. The, it was bought at the first Mitsubishi dealer in the area. Obviously, being in eighty four. The first year of Mitsubishi here in the States, or second year, 80, end of 83 they started, but it was bought at North Shore Mitsubishi, 
which was in Lynn, in the Linway at the time, actually eventually became... Um, became Danvers Mitsubishi. Danvers Mitsubishi, and I worked there. Then it was Kelly Mitsubishi. Then it was Kelly Mitsubishi, and you worked there. Then it was Misho Mitsubishi. Yeah, that, now it's Misho Mitsubishi. Or if you listen to his local commercials, it's Misho Mitsubishi. Yeah. He doesn't really know how to say the name of his own dealership. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so it was a local car its whole life. car only had about 78,000 miles on it, I think, when I bought it. Mm-hmm. It was less than 80K. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty, like, pretty complete. Yeah, it was complete, but it was a New England car, so it had a lot of... Non-structural, but rust. So it wasn't enough not to drive the car. There wasn't a lot of like holes in the body. There was one in front of the passenger side rear wheel. Other than that, it was just kind of like, just kind of a rusty car, but it was complete. It ran, it drove. It was just dingy and dirty. And it cleaned up actually pretty nice back in the back of the, in the time. Yep. Um, story with the car goes, it went in in 2005. I think was, I think it was 05, the receipt says, for um, a head gasket. Something like that. Yeah, something something like a head gasket. like oh, Something like going in the car. I think it was a head gasket. But anyway, the deal, it went to the dealership, mm-hmm. um, and the dealership didn't put coolant back in the car when it left. It was either coolant or oil. Yeah, one or the other. So Some major, like... They mistake. forgot to put one of the big fluids in the car, yeah. Um, so the car, guy left the dealership and only made it about a mile down the road before the car blew up on him. So obviously the dealership owed him an engine, um, and the car actually got a factory Mitsubishi long block in 2005, like a full tip to turn long block. Um, and this $800 car had that long block in it, and it was maybe 10,000 miles mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a brand new engine in the car. Yep. So for 800 bucks, even with the rust, we're like, you know what? Basically, it's a brand new engine in it. We're going to buy this thing. Also, the guy was super happy to like sell it to people who were enthusiastic. Yeah, he was the original owner. Yeah. So he was happy. He actually had saved it. He had bought, if I remember correctly, he had bought a new Shelby in 06. Shelby Mustang? Maybe. Yeah. He had a black, a black and gold, the new body style Mustang. And he had saved the Styrian to give to his son, who was college age at the time. And his son didn't want the car. So he reluctantly sold the car and went to us. I still have his business card in my wallet, actually, to this day, because I keep meaning to call him and give him updates. But mm-hmm. there haven't been updates, so now there are. So I should probably call him again. Um, so he bought the car. He was super stoked on us buying the car. He gave us a stack of paperwork that was very thorough, everything ever done to the car from day one, um, including what was neat to me, because the car came, instead of on stock wheels, it came on a set of Anki 92s which are the basket weave style Enkies with the black face. Um, but they had been bought from my father's tire dealership in the eighties. So I had a receipt from my father's tire dealership for the wheels and tires that he bought in 1986. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of neat. Um, fast forward a couple of years. Oh, well, he gave you one brand new spare too. And one brand spanking new Enki spare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never ever mounted on the car. Um, had a tire on it though. Just never put it on the car. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually was on my Sapporo for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do we go from there? So I bought, bought, bought the car, cleaned it up best we could, mechanically went through the car. The car was perfect, mechanically, like, perfect. The car... Well, I remember at some point it needed a clutch. Yep. Was, we, we, so we went through the car, made the car mechanically perfect. We did the clutch hydraulics, we did a clutch... It had like the you silly thing brakes where, and rotors where Mitsubishi's need um, the coolant temp sensor because it had a super high idle and yep. it didn't want to start. 
Yep. And you swap out the sensor and the car is fine. Yeah. It was and, all basic stuff. And then it was leaking injectors, which were easy. That's very common on those cars. Because mm-hmm. it's got the dual injectors into the throttle body. Yeah. Everything on the car needed to be done was basic maintenance, pretty much, or a wearable item like the clutch. Yeah. Which was all stuff we did. It wasn't a big deal. You threw some snow tires on it, and you daily drived it. Yeah. Daily I drove Daily it. drove that car for a couple of years, actually. Yeah. Um, and then in 2012, in February... Uh, I was heading to a friend's house and somebody blew a stop sign and it was cold enough out and the road was just slick enough that there was just absolutely no way I was stopping. Mm-hmm. And I hit the brakes and I slid into the side of his Altima. Um, yeah. That's why we love Altimas. No, yeah. I thought a few accidents with people driving Altimas have hit me or in this case I hit them, but he blew a stop sign. So unfortunately, so in 2012, the car got wrecked um, and I made the decision in 2012 that it was time to restore the whole car. Yep. Because I was like, you know what? This car is rare. It's an original I'm a second owner, low miles. It's complete. It's a Velnas car, which is... Oh, yeah, that's right. The Mitsubishi... Um, it's got this really crazy trip computer. It's a trip slash lap computer that was factory installed by Mitsubishi. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Velnas stands for. I'll have to look that up. Um but I've never seen another one functioning in a car, so it was cool to have that. So I was like, you know what? This car deserves to be restored. So I took it apart to restore it um, and wound up leaving the shop that I was working at when that happened. And then the car got parked, and then life happened. And the car stayed parked, and then more life happened. And the car stayed parked. And next thing you know, it's 2019, mm-hmm. and the car was still parked. But the cool thing about this car is because mechanically it was great, you know, I went out and I started it probably once every few months and the car has always just started. It's never, it's never just not started. It's always been a good running car. So I finally said, well, it's time to get some work done on this car and put something together. And I've been gathering parts over the years. I mean, I drove all the way to Buffalo, New York to get a fender for it once because you couldn't find a flat Starion Conquest fender. All you could find was wide body ones. Um, so I have all these parts for the car that are lying around. I since have got more fenders, <laughs> header panels, bumpers, all the stuff I need to put the car together. So it's like, you know what? Let's do this thing. Um, so we started, like we said, with the door, hung the fenders. Then the impact in the car was in the left front corner. So because it was a New England car, the front bumper beam had been rotted away pretty, pretty bad. So when the car crashed, the bumper didn't do much. So all the impact was taken by the soft sheet metal in the left front corner of the car. So it wrinkled pretty bad, folded over pretty bad. Um, thankfully, I had done the frame repair on the car. So the frame rail was pulled at the body shop that I was working at, at the time when the accident happened. So I was able to not have to worry about using a frame machine because <laughs> the heavy pull had already been done. But what still had to be repaired was the radiator support. Um, the inner fender, and there's like a second panel on the inner fender in this car because it's a pop-up headlight car, mm-hmm. and it's like another piece of sheet metal that goes on the other side of the pop-up headlight that was also bent. Mm-hmm. So we spent the past probably about, I'd say, three days total, you know, bending the sheet metal, turning everything around, using a hammer and dolly, getting everything as straight as we could. I mean, the the 100% correct way to do it is to replace the sheet metal and re-weld it. But yep, it doesn't exist. Those don't exist. They so, buy used parts. Exactly. So we just banged it back together as best we could. Yep. And then we bolted the sheet metal on. 
and it turned out that whole corner of the car was too low. So there was like a half-inch gap between the pop-up headlight and the hood where it should be a flush, you know, a yeah. flush fitment. I feel like because it didn't have the bumper beam, it probably submarined a little bit. Oh, it definitely did. Yeah. I mean, I remember pulling the frame rail. We had to pull it out and up. Yeah. So unfortunately, the radiator support doesn't get pulled with the frame rail like that. It stayed because bolted to the mm-hmm. inner fender. So I had to borrow a porta power, which if you've never used a porta power, is basically a giant hydraulic ram with these different extensions and different ends on it yeah. that you can put into the car and brace it against another part of the car and push the car back out where it belongs. Yeah. So we rigged that up under the hood to move the radio support back where it belonged yeah. to jack it up and out so it all lined up. I actually never used one. I know Jordan and Liz used one when she hit the telephone pole. Oh, yeah, the spaghetti They borrowed one yep. to put it back together um, to get the hatch to go back on. Right. But... Man, that is a super useful tool, and I can see why you'd want it in it's your very useful yeah. rally car toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. Any car, rally car, drift car, anything that's going to you know possibly take a hit like that and need to get put back together enough in a quick period of time to use it again, mm-hmm. it's a great tool to have. Um, and it worked out great because it was like I was at the point where I was almost ready to chain the car to a tree and just back up and mm. <laughs> pull it back the other direction. But the right thing to do was to wait and get the port of power and, and do it properly. Um, it's funny because... I have a porta power in the garage, but it's probably from the late sixties. Yeah. And it probably hasn't been used since the early eighties. Yeah, it's from your dad's old shop. Yeah. Right? Um so did I he, went to use it and there was no fluid in it. Did he didn't he go to get it out? Yeah. You know. So I filled it with fluid. So one of the parts store and got some hydraulic fluid. And I filled it all with fluid and we started pumping it up and the second that any tension was met, it just literally pissed fluid out of every O ring on the thing. So it needs to be rebuilt, obviously. All right, so real quick, the Velnas, yep. um, this person, this is on the StarQuest uh, forum, uh, says the control unit provides a clock, alarm, and stopwatch timing functions. It also provides a second trip computer in addition to the mechanical one in the gauge. Mm-hmm. It also shows average speed, overall fuel consumed, and current fuel consumption rate. Yes. It's pretty impressive for 84. Yeah. No, and it's something that's not very commonly seen. And definitely not commonly seen working in the car. No, most of the comments are people don't know what this is or what they're talking about. Yeah. It's uh, super, um, super rare. Yeah, it only came on like the top of the line fully loaded car. And I think it might have only been an 84. Uh, okay, so. on that, but. Yeah, this this other person says, uh, oh, this is you. <laughs> this is your post. <laughs> it was a long time ago when I researched yeah. all this. Yeah. Because, oh. uh, yeah, because people were like, I think it only came in the Technica car. And you're like, no, it's, yours is an, you're. Your white car is an ES, so it has everything a Technica has except for the digital dash. I think so, yeah. That's what you wrote here. Yeah. Again, that was so many years ago, I forget what I researched back then, but... Yeah, so the the next thing that's even more rare than the stuff you have in this white car would be a full digital dash. Right, a Technica with a digital dash. Much like my Sapporo is a Technica, and yeah. it has a digital dash, and the talking... So weird. The talking E-Tex, which is the... Um, basically the security and light computer in the car. The electronic timing and electronic E-TACS, E-T-A-C-S, electronic E-tax timing ele- and computer sensors, something like that? No, electronic timing, control, and alarm. Okay. That does like stuff like on a Mitsubishi, this is super Mitsubishi nerd stuff. It does like, um, it's hooked into like the wipers and the horn and stuff okay. on modern cars, and it's hooked into like the wipers on my Galant, so you can have it, the wipers set on intermittent intermittent and when you start going faster in the glot they will start going full all the time okay 
Um, same thing on like my dad's Outlander. It's hooked through like the rain sensing wipers and the horns hooked through it. Which the snaring has those two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's got yeah automatic automatic intermittent wipers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what that means. The faster you go, the faster they go, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. So anyway. So the car has a Velnas, which nobody knows what a Velnas is, apparently, <laughs> except for the few people that have them. I had forgotten about it until I looked in the car and I go, oh, yeah, I remember that in there. Yeah. And as far as I know, I've never seen another. I mean, I'm sure there are other U.S. market cars with them. I just don't know of any that still exist because I've never seen one. Flat body cars are exceedingly rare in the U.S. Especially in the Northeast. There's a few of them in the Southwest. Because they only made them for two years here? Oh, no. Uh, 84, 85, and 86, and 87. 87 and a half? Yeah, 87, you could get either car. Oh. 86 and 87, you could buy a flat car or a wide car at the dealership. I thought you get any. I thought I've seen 86 wide cars. You have. 86 and 87, you could buy either way. Oh, weird. And then by 88, they were all flat cars. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Yep. So, but nobody bought them. Especially in 86 and 87, when the wide car came out, nobody's going to buy the narrow car because it was such a, huh. like a styling, like, change. Even though it was the same basic car, just those really wide fenders. Having owned m- many Conquests and Starians over the years, I actually prefer the narrow car as a driving experience. Um, it's a more lively car to drive, basically because it came. It's got a narrower track and narrower tires, mm-hmm. and the cars don't have a lot of power. So the wider track and the wider tires, they're not really. They're not as. I mean, they, they handle really well. They stick really well in you know high speed corners, but. The narrower, skinnier, tired car is a lot more tossable. It kind of, phys- like physically, or the way it looks, it reminds me of like a 928 versus a 944. I would say it's a 924 that's versus I mean. a 944. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. And that's ex- essentially what it is. A 944 is essentially a wide-bodied 924, and a you know a wide Conquest Narian is the same car as a narrow car, just widened. Yeah. So there was more... Um, I think mechanical changes in the 924 to 944 mm-hmm. than the narrow to wide Starians go. Mine being an 84 is a much simpler car. It's a non-intercooled car, so it's only like seven pounds of boost. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make a ton of power. That's 150 horse. Yeah. Whereas the later cars are intercooled and they're closer to 200. Yeah. So, and it's a four lug car versus a five lug car. Um, and like I said, mine is everything but Technica package. So it has limited slip, has the Velnas, has leather. Has the computer that plays music when you open the door. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, yeah. And while I was looking at Velnas, you talked about putting the header panel on it and yes. getting the pop ups going. Yeah. So we got those two pieces of thin sheet metal straightened out enough um, to hang the header panel. And the header panel is straight. And to get the headlights mounted and the headlights go up, headlights go down. Yep. So that's all perfect. So and we got the hood to work. We got the hood functions perfectly, opens and closes the way it should. I wasn't even going to try to make that work. I was just going to like take the hood latch assembly out of it and put hood pins in it because it was everything was so bent. But it was a little tweaked. We managed to get it straightened out enough to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, still may do like arrow catch style hood pins in it just because. I, I might. Yeah. I, I probably would just in case. Yeah. But not right away, eventually. So now all that's left in the car is, I mean, I say all that's left, but there's a lot left. Um, welding some rusted panels. There are a few small holes in the floor. Yeah, so the bottom of the fenders on the corners where they bolt to the inner sheet metal. The, the old bolts are rotted. They're rotted and they're stuck yeah. in there and they're just twisting the sheet metal. So we're just going to preserve it where it is, 
get the sh- pieces of the inner and outer sheet metal of the fender t- close enough together, and we'll yep. just rivet them. Yeah, rivet them or use um, rib nuts. Rib nuts. Probably yeah. rivet them. Yeah, we'll probably see easier. Yeah. And then underneath, uh, one side of your car is pretty much welded. You had somebody else do it. Yeah, well, I I was being taught how to weld on that car. Oh, okay, okay. So I learned how to – I did most of the welding on the side of the car myself, actually. Okay. Um, with the guidance of somebody who's much more seasoned of a welder than I am, as you can tell looking at it. Um, and now – the good thing is, is that we went out and we pre-bent all the rest of the replacement sheet metal because mm-hmm. we have to replace behind the driver's side front wheel, behind the passenger side front wheel, in front of the passenger side rear wheel, and the piece of the rocker panel on the passenger side, mm-hmm. and a couple of spots on the floor. But overall, it's not a terrible amount of work, and the pieces are already cut. So That's cool. It'll be fun for us to like experiment with and get better at welding with. Yeah, and then the um, the other thing with it, we're going to take, borrow the bumper beam off the... For now, I'm going to borrow the bumper beam off the Barney Quest. Yeah. Because um, that car is going to get parked in the garage for a while. Yeah. While I decide what the next step is with that car, because yep. it needs an engine. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not in the financial place to build an engine right now for it, because I have too many other projects. Um, but it's also a really nice car, like solid car, so I don't want to just junk it. Right. So... Yep. But anyway, I'll take the bumper beam off that car. And shelve that project for now. Yeah. Somewhere I have a good front bumper not cut up for the 83 i oh, sorry the 84 um and then you picked up a spoiler recently for it i picked up the lower spoiler for it which i've been looking for for a while yep and it's the, literally the first one that's come up in the northeast in the 10 years i've been searching for one yeah because i bought the car it was broken mm-hmm. um so i have one of those finally um and the lovely folks at the staring conquest facebook group have lovingly named the car the ratty flatty so I think that'll be the name of the car from now on, because I don't plan on painting it. I don't think it needs to be painted. I plan on cleaning it up. Um, anyway, we weld in sheet metal, obviously I'll paint it, but I'm not going to do an overall paint job on the car, so it's going to have a red fender, a black fender, a red headlight, a white headlight, and a red header panel. Yeah, it's just going to be as it is, and just... Yep. It's going to drive it and enjoy it. Yeah. It's going to be a functional car, um, and that's the most important part, car mm-hmm. functions. doesn't matter what it looks like. It's going to be fun to drive. Fun to do different events with, and uh, I'm going to leave it here on the East Coast when I move to Arizona, so that when I fly home, I just have a car to use. Yep. So, and it's got snow tires on it, and I'll get a second set of wheels and tires for the summertime. All right. So that's where we are with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's sitting in the gra- in the driveway now. And we'll we, post some pictures of it to Instagram. Yep. So next step or is There'll probably already be pictures posted of it. Mount the bottom of the fenders, mount the front of the fenders, hang a bumper, and then just do all the other body work. I mean, it's pretty much there mechanically. Yeah. So we, we He's a lower rated hose. Went to add coolant to it which and pour it out. Yep. Yeah. Which I already had, so I must have already known it needed that. I just got yeah. it forever ago. Yeah. Because the car's been parked for so long. Um so speaking of long dormant cars, mm-hmm. in my dad's garage we've been storing for my grandfather his seventy five Cadillac Eldorado. Yes. Coupe. White on red leather. Yep. The classic combination. Twenty three thousand miles on the car. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like brand new. It's been in storage since nineteen eighty five. Yeah, I noticed the inspection sticker was 85 on it. Yeah. It literally, I I believe there's a picture of it with probably me, my mom, my grandmother, and him that my dad probably took, mm-hmm. and I'm a baby, and then like that was like the last time the car was on the road. Right. So uh, he, 
my grandfather was like, I've never seen that picture. We'll have to yeah, pull it I, out. My dad's got it, it somewhere. I'll ask yeah. my dad. Um, my grandfather was like, I want to put that car on the road. I had some tires for it because the tires on it were original yeah, 1975, 1975 tires. And they're totally junk and flat. We're like, my dad and I are like, okay, well, so the other weekend we put yeah, it on four jack stands. I mean, your grandfather's how old now? He's 94. 94. So, yeah, let's get this car going for him. <laughs> I, just, I didn't want to, so let's do it. Um, so you helped me put it on jack stands. Yep. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's fifty five hundred pound car, but it's got full frame rails, so it made it pretty easy. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a challenge. Um, had the tires mounted, which they're super weird, t- like to mount, I guess. Yeah, well, it's a super high offset wheel. Yeah, it's designed to be like a cord. Yep, front wheel drive cord. Then the uh, valve stem goes into the inside of the wheel, and they're like metal hard valve stems. And then the wheel weights were strange because they had this extra bit, so they went into the rim mm-hmm. so that you could put your hubcap over it. Mm-hmm. So we took them to a couple places, like, uh, I can't really mount them. Then we found this one place, and the guy was like, yeah. And the other thing, you got to flip these over to mount them. And we're like, yes. Yeah, because like, the tires only come off the back. Yeah, we're like, you're the guy then. Yep. <laughs> He's like, you, you know how to do this without looking at it first? Yes. Okay. And uh, they were able to mount it with their fancy new style machine, only well, put weights on the inside. The style wheel was only ever used on two cars. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So it becomes a challenge to find somebody who knows how to do it. It was only yeah. ever done on the Eldorado yeah. and the Toronado. Yeah. From like 66, I think was the first front wheel drive one, or 67? Something like that. I think 66. Yeah. 66, 67, until like 78, 79. Yeah. So. And then, uh, yeah, so I got two inch wide white walls on there. They're like giant, they're like truck size tires. Yeah, they're huge. Uh, I mean, the car is 5,500 pounds. Yeah. It's a big car. And then uh, we've got it on all four. Well, actually, what was on jack stands, uh, my dad threw some new brake pads in the front. Yep. They, they weren't also, too bad, but it, they were kind of like starting to delaminate. It also has like truck brakes, like the same brakes you would have gotten in like a K1500 pickup. Yeah. They're big old brakes. Yeah. And then we flushed out all the brake fluid, which was like Coca Cola. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> it was very black. Uh, and then he went to look at and check the coolant because we were going to flush the coolant. My dad popped the radiator cap and he realized that the top, the little like collar that holds your radiator cap on mm-hmm. just broke off. He's like, oh, cool. So the radiator cap won't stay on. So we got to take this out to bring it to a radiator shop to have a new neck put on it. Right. It also was seeping at the bottom too, wasn't it? No. No? It wasn't. So him and I took it apart, got all the hoses off it. Bottom hose is kind of, mm, we're going to replace that. Um. We're looking at it outside of the car. Now, just from sitting, it basically has rotted. Okay. Even though the coolant was, like, nice and clean and bright green, like, it just loses its uh, anti-corrosive properties over time. So, he brought it to the radio shop. They're like, yeah, all this punky stuff on the sides, the solder. As soon as we hot tank this thing, it's going to fall apart. Right. Like, okay. So, they're going to rebuild it for us. Yep. Which is awesome. Yeah, record it, rebuild it. Way better to be able to rebuild the original brass radiator than... Well, the problem, Put in a new one. the problem with a lot of the new replacement ones is they're aluminum radiators mm-hmm. with plastic end tanks, and those plastic end tanks don't hold up to the pressure that the old cars create sometimes. Yeah. That's what happened to my Raider. Yeah. If you remember, it, it literally exploded the plastic end tank and overheated yeah. the truck. And it's less than buying a new replacement brass one, and also, like, if you bought an aluminum version, it just wouldn't look right in the car. Right. I mean, it's a 23,000-mile original car. Yeah. You want to keep it looking like a 23,000-mile original yeah. car. So that's going to go in there... Um, throw some new dry belts on there because they're looking dried out. I'm sure they are. Anything rubber is going to be suspect. Yeah, change the oil. Basically change all the fluids. Mm-hmm. Interior is in great shape. It's perfect. 
It doesn't need seatbelts. Yeah. So the guy, it was the 70s. Because it was the 70s. This is the original owner, not my grandfather. The guy before him didn't like over-shoulder seatbelts. Didn't remove them. He just cut the belts out. Right. Left the reels, cut the belts out. Yep. So I found a place that's going to... Which, sh- instead of just not wearing it, yeah, he just cut it out of the car. Yeah. Which is such a 70s thing to do. Yeah. So I found a place that deals with Cadillacs, and they're going to, like, replacement Cadillac parts, and they're mm-hmm. going to re-web them for me. They're going to use the original material, the red material? Yes. Okay. Because yeah. they're red seatbelts. Yeah. I will make sure that they match. Yeah. Um, I did tell them that, but they're going to... They're going to take my old reels from the car yep. because they're mint, too. They're perfect. Yeah, they never got used. No. <laughs> Seatbelts were cut out of them when they were brand yeah, new. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, strangely, the same guy put a uh, a Volvo horn in it because he wanted the Cadillac horn for his, his Volvo, Volvo. Like yeah. his daily driver Volvo. Yeah, so the car's got like a me. Yeah, it's a very weak horn for yeah, a big old Cadillac. A, it should have a Cadillac horn, which I'll find some, but yeah. for now. Or at least work. something that's louder. You could probably do like an aftermarket horn, like... Even like a hella horn to be louder than the... Well, you can get the reproduction horns are not very expensive. Okay. So I'll grab a set of those. And then um, it's a pretty cool car. I mean, it's not like it's a sports car, but it's no, a cool cruiser. No, by any means. Well, it's... The waft. It's 500 cubic inches. Yep. Front wheel drive. Yep. Chain driven transmission. 8.2 liter. Yep. 180 horsepower. <laughs> yeah. But it was like 300-something foot-pounds of torque. It was like 340 foot-pounds. Yeah, roast the tires off the front of it. Yeah, but it's 180 horsepower, 500 cubic inches. And it's got like 11-inch discs in the front. Yeah, like I said, they're they're truck brakes. Definitely truck brakes. They're not very big still. No, but they're they're thick. The the rotors were really thick and the... the, Yeah, they're ventilated. Yeah. And giant drum brakes that are finned in the back. They're huge drum brakes in the back. They're like a foot across. Yeah, and they still had the retaining rings, so they've never been off. Right. My dad was like, I, I wanted to check the adjusters. I was like, don't touch them. Don't even touch them. <laughs> <laughs> they work, they work. Like, we got them flushed, just leave them. Yep, 100%. Parking brake worked. Uh, apparently, like, I put the parking brake on. I was like, how do you release it? He's like, you put it in drive. You put it in drive, it automatically releases. Oh, that's weird. So you don't drive away with it. Yeah. Super weird. And then, like, so the back seat, you know, it's a two-door, and I was in the back seat fiddling with the seatbelt reels, and you fold the back seat forward, mm-hmm. and then you fold it back, and you can see where it's got, like, a big lug where it keeps it locked so it doesn't flop forward in an accident. Okay. But it, like, with the door open, it doesn't lock. You can just flop the seat. And my dad's like, close the door. I was like, what? So I close the door, and then you put the seat back. You can't move the seat. Oh, that's weird. There's something that tells it to lock that when the door is so closed. complicated and terrible. Yeah. But it's, like, massive, like, luxury car that has, like, two power things like the mirrors are like joysticks well, that's what we were talking about i went i sat in the car and i'm like this was like you know cadillac standard of the world this is like a the luxury car of the day super expensive car and i was like what options does it have like it has leather seats which are nice they're mm-hmm. comfortable but then it has an am radio a track does it have an a track player it's behind you push the a track where the numbers the numbers the, are the uh, tuner is yep um but it's got a radio and it has cigarette lighters. I mean, what other, there's no there's no luxury options in the yeah, car. It's so like, weird. It's got heat and AC, which I guess AC wasn't always common in the 70s yet. It's but got a flat floor. Yeah, it's front wheel drive. It's just a big old car. And then the oh, we're in the trunk, and the jack is like a it's like a high lift off road jack. It's a bumper jack. Yeah, it's an old school bumper jack. Like, man, I cannot imagine trying to change the wheel on this thing. No. Yeah, no, thank you. All, yeah, also, because I went to torque it, and the torque form is 135 foot-pounds. Yeah, that's a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get this thing off on the side of the road? Nope, probably not. 
But the cool thing about the car is that's mostly all original. Um, but it's definitely a look into GM's quality at the time too, oh. because that was like like you said, you know, top of the line. Didn't get any better. You made it in the seventies. It was still considered like you bought a Cadillac, you were somebody. You know what I mean? There are half an inch panel gaps in this car. Yeah, there are different. There are stacks of spacers in between panels to get things to line up. Like stacks, like like a half inch stack of spacers below the headlight assemblies. You know, and they're all factory spacers because they're the same throughout the car, and yep. they're not even in any way, shape, or form anywhere. The it's funny, amazing how twisted everything is. The funny thing is, it's not like, you know. Five years after this car was built, it was like, mm. 10 years, it was like, mm, still not that great a car. Yeah. But now it's like cool. Yeah. Because it's come all the way around. Yeah. It went It went the full circle from being like top of the line, best car you could buy, American made. Yeah. To like five years later, American cars have gotten so much better. That car was a huge pile of shit. Yeah. To now it's like, oh, it's made it this long. Now it's definitely cool again. Yeah. It came, all, it came full circle. It went from being bad to now it's like yep. hipster cool. And the car has, for as long as I've known, had a golf hat in it, like a plaid golf hat with a pom-pom. Oh, yes. I will wear that and one. And you'll have to wear that when you drive the car. <laughs> it is a required rule. It's got the indicators and the fenders. So you mm-hmm. know, the turn signals are on. Yep. The little you know how those work? Are they fiber optic? Yeah, it's all fiber optic. And does it have the ones, does it have the ones in the headliner in the rear, too? It might. I don't know. You'll have to check that out because I remember when I was a kid, my mom had an 82 Cadillac. So... That's only, what, seven years newer than that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the fiber optic turn signal indicators. There were three of them on top of the fender. Yeah. One was the turn signal, one was the low beam, and one was the high beam. Yeah. And then there were two in the rear headliner in the back that showed the taillight was on or if the turn signal was on. Mm-hmm. So you could tell if it was burnt out or not. It's definitely a cool Malaysia car. Yeah. Yeah. They're big, terrible, dumb, awful, great cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of an enigma of a car. It's It's there. It's 500 cubic inches. It's 180 horsepower. It gets nine miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. So it uses tons of fuel. Yeah, it's probably doesn't go very fast. 25-gallon tank, I bet. <laughs> probably doesn't handle well. No. Um, so it doesn't have any redeeming qualities. Yet for some reason, we love it. Just because it's so big and dumb. It's for being comfortable and going to the golf course with all your clubs in the back. Yeah. yeah and all your dead gang member rivals yeah. in the trunk lid near mobster movies. Yeah, I should find uh, movies to loan it to. Yeah. No, it's a cool car. I, I, I do like it. I mean, it's not something I'd ever seek out to buy. No. Um, but the fact that your grandfather bought it probably in the early 80s, mid-80s, probably 85, 86? Bought it probably 83, 84. Okay, so he drove for a couple of years, and then yeah. like your grandfather always has done... He buys another car and parks the old one. Yeah. <laughs> and this particular one just happened to be parked back then and never sold. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, your grandfather also has an 08 Cadillac, right? Yeah. With, like, 4,000 miles on it? 3,000. 3,000 miles on it. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't drive his Cadillacs very much. Yeah. The Cadillac was always his, like, garage toy. Then he had, you know, his Volvo or his LeBaron to drive every day. <laughs> no, I mean, it's that's, again, that was a, a thing. Like, the Cadillac was the car you bought when you made it. Like, you became the boss. Now you got to buy the Cadillac. That's right. So your grandfather bought the Cadillac, and then was like, I'm going to preserve these Cadillacs. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, he's got a first-gen CTS, right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, random awful cars, you hear that uh, FCA is going to merge with Renault? Yeah. And Renault? And there was much rejoicing. No, nobody cared. 
actually. I mean, American cars lately, I mean, there's nothing really going on. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, I I guess, like, uh, like Fiat Chrysler is having trouble yeah, But I also heard that or GM and Ford are having trouble financially, too, so... Nobody's buying cars. Yeah. New cars. Because, like, all they've been built... And then they decided to only build trucks. Like, that's the only thing that sells. Yeah, so they stopped making sedans because they weren't getting any money on them. And then GM brought back the Blazer. And now they brought back the Trailblazer. Did you see that the other day? No. The Trailblazer's coming back, and it's another crossover. I just don't... It's so hard to talk about new cars when new cars are just incredibly boring. Yeah, I mean, everybody talks about Mitsubishi only making crossovers, but they have... Like three, yeah. Where Nissan has like eight. GM does now too. Yeah, you can get a Chevy Trax, you can get a Chevy Equinox, you can get a Chevy Trailblazer, Traverse, you can get a Chevy Traverse, you can get a Chevy Blazer. So there's five crossovers right there. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, like I don't like. There's a crossover for every flavor. I don't understand. Whatever. It's not nothing that we'll ever understand because they're not they're not our types of vehicles. So Renault, this is why this is actually the current market of cars is yeah. probably the reason we can get excited about a seventy five Eldorado. Probably because it's so different. Yeah. So Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi, technically not merged. They're aligned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sharing engineering. Yeah, sharing Nissan platforms. just has a controlling portion of Mitsubishi, um, and even when they if Renault and FCA merge. It would still leave Nissan technically independent of them, of them having a controlling stake with Mitsubishi. But I believe Mitsubishi was, I think we looked this up before, was already selling technology to Renault and Peugeot anyways. Yeah. Well, we talked about it before with the Outlander. Yeah. The big reason why they want, um, why they think FCA wants to get in with Renault is because of all their EV tech. Yeah. Electric car tech for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're behind the eight ball of that pretty severely. All the American manufacturers seem to be, actually. Ford is the only one that has any kind of electric hybrid, really, that's been successful with their C-Max. Yeah. I mean, um, GM had good ones, and they were like, nope, we're not going to make them anymore. Actually, no. They have the... Uh, they still make the... Um, the Bolt? Not the Bolt. Bolt. The Volt. The Volt yeah. is canceled. Oh, is it? Because that was a decent car, I heard. Uh, that's what I heard, too. Yeah. I believe may, they might I, still I've be never, making the Bolt. I've never driven or ridden or touched a Volt um, but I know I had a friend who was an insurance appraiser, um, and he bought a Volt for doing like his insurance appraising work because it was like the American equivalent of a Prius, and mm-hmm. it was a better car than a Prius. That's what most people said. It worked really well yeah. as a car. You didn't notice the hybrid system, right? I don't know. It's strange to me. Yeah, I, I just I I don't have a problem with all these companies aligning, and as long as if they can share platforms. And make their brand identity still work on another person's platform? That's fine with me. I don't care. You know, it would be great if Nissan, Renault, Mitsubishi, and Fiat Chrysler all were like, hey, let's... Actually, can we talk about the fact that Fiat Chrysler is already a combination? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as long as build a better product. Yeah, but, I, you know, let's make one crossover, one sedan, one sporty car, and one truck and one van. And then just all share those platforms. And put our own sheet metal over them. That seems yeah. to be the way you'd be able to make money doing that. And then all five of them could have a rear-wheel drive sports car based on one sports car. You know, it'd be, it'd be great. Work. Yeah. As long as they don't all decide to jack up the price on all their cars, but... Whatever, it doesn't matter. We're not buying it anyway. <laughs> we'll stick with our 75 Cadillacs. 
Yeah. <laughs> and our 84 starring. So that's the only like weird car stuff I think that's going on outside of our normal old stuff. Yeah, this uh, this like there's been rumors the past few days too of a Ford GM merger, which I is the weirdest that, thing I've ever heard. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think that could possibly happen. I think there's too much pride involved there. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But wouldn't be worried about the new Camaro Mustang rivalry. You worry about the new Camaro Stang. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I just I don't think I think there's too much pride to make that happen. But who knows? Maybe it will. We live in a weird time. All right. So events coming up: Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee, Sunday, June 16th. Before that, this weekend, because the episode goes out Friday, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So Sunday is Sunday, yes, Sunday. Yeah. is Seacoast Cars and Coffee in Newington, New Hampshire, Fox Run Mall. Yep. So that's this weekend. Mm-hmm. Not much else going on event-wise, I don't think. Uh, there is Radwood. Oh yeah, Radwood, Hoop- New Jersey, HoopTicon, right? Yeah, which unfortunately we will not be at. It's June eighth. Yep. Um, no, I don't think there's much else I going on. I have a friend who rudely, hope he's listening, decided to get married the same day as Radwood. So. Unfortunately, fortunately, we're going to his wedding instead. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? That's it. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, we'll get back to some projects. Yep. So as as always, follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic on Instagram, me on Instagram, Raced in Anger. Brad, where can they find you? T S I S S three five zero. Yeah. Check out our Instagrams. We got pictures of the current projects going on, and uh, keep cars analog and aim for the roses.